0: are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Well, I was really hoping he was talking about me, or that was going to get real messy real quick. Josh Gill. Is he in here? Okay, what the heck? Did you, did you guys know he recently released a book? It's called Encounters. Uh, and he is, he is literally one of the most profound human beings I have ever in my 37 years of life experienced because he talks about his encounters with the Lord like we're all having them in that way. And let's just be honest, we're not. OK, and um, like one day he was just casually saying that the father, son and Holy Spirit just came to him in the middle of the night and sat on his bed. And and then he lost me at the father, son and Holy Spirit sat on his bed. And I was like, he's my under neighbor. So that means he li- lives in the basement. But it's awkward to say he lives in the basement. So we say there are under neighbors. And so all I could think was, send him upstairs. Like, if the Godhead, if the Godhead comes and sits on the foot of your bed after your conversation, send him up two flights of stairs. Right? Anybody with me? So listen, everybody should go to Amazon and buy that book because, uh... When someone in our house releases a book, it's not just their message, it's our message. And who, who right now is working on a book, you're working on a song, that you, you feel a stirring in your heart this year to own your voice. And so it's important that you realize you're a part of a family that believes in you, that's proud of you, that, that we rise together so you can do it. And one of my, I'm going to give away two books today. Where's Mary Beth? Is Mary Beth in here? Mary Beth and Kyle right back there. Oh my gosh. Can you stand up? Mary Beth Francis and Kyle. Oh my gosh. They are heroes in our house, they are heroes in our faith. I have a lot of heroes, and they are at the absolute top of the list. And she just recently. Released a book, look how beautiful this is! Oh, becoming the butterfly, and it it 's going to help us all and it, uh, it is her process of losing two kids, and I want to read a, a little excerpt, and then I, I really felt like Jesus wanted to honor this morning anybody who has lost a child. Uh, Whether it was 50 years ago or five days ago, or if you've been trying relentlessly to have a child. And I I just felt like the timing of the release of this book was uh, a message and a word from heaven for all of us. And so um, I'm going to read you uh, an excerpt from one of her journal entries in the process of grieving the loss of her little girl, Opal Joy. Okay. Um, this weekend, my brother and his kids came to visit, and we've had a fun-packed, delightful time. When bath time approached for my niece, my heart had to step into its courage and wear it bravely. Anybody ever had to step into courage and wear it bravely? It always seems that the little things challenge me the most. This time, the little thing was the soap—the soap that was intended for my daughter. I felt the emptiness of her absence as I made the decision to share her soap with my niece. And as I made that seemingly simple yet heart-wrenching choice, it was, is, it was as if I could hear her remind me, I'm generous, Mommy. So I, I shared her soap, and it hurt. The bubble bath was my next hurdle. My adorable niece got so excited about the possibility of bubbles in her bath but i wanted to grip on to that unopened bottle of bubble bath with every bit of my strength that was my daughter's bubble bath and i didn't want anyone to sh- i didn't want to share it wasn't fair that it would be used on anyone but the one i had prepared it for but again it was as if i could hear my daughter remind me of her generosity in her honor i opened the bottle and poured it for her delighted and giddy 2-year-old cousin and then it was the washcloth That cute and tiny, softer than a regular washcloth piece of fabric awakened my grief as I handed it to a happy little girl who reminded me of my own and all the bath time joy I will miss having with her. I then combed my niece's hair with Opal's comb and her uncle Cowell and I helped her settle down for bed by reading to her a couple of Opal's books. It was so, so sweet and it was so painful. For nine months, I got to know the spirit of a little girl who grew inside of me. And during that time, I learned how very generous and brave my daughter was. And tonight, it was as if the bravery and generosity in my daughter's spirit stirred up the courage in my own. My little brave heart reminded me of the one who makes me brave and who gives me the strength to step into the courage it takes to love another. Isn't that how it is? Our children are the ones who teach us the most about the nature of God. Psalm 105, for God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever it was with great bravery that our champion chose the cross. He chose to be generous with his life and pour it out like bubble bath for a happy two-year-old who will never know the extent of the love and bravery it took to do so. And it is this champion who cheers me on as I choose courage and generosity in the midst of my pain and in the, in the face of every little reminder of what I am missing. I am brave because he is brave. And my heart Grew encouraged tonight. Wow. And I, you know, I felt like as a community, I just I I felt like Jesus wanted to walk in the room and honor our brave ones. That he he wanted to remind you, I see you. I see you. I know the depths of your story. And I, I felt um, a spirit coming out of heaven, cheering on the saints in their race of faith. And so if you, if you have ever lost a baby 50 years ago, five days ago, if you're currently trying to have a baby, I just want you to stand. And I just want to honor you with uh, applause and celebration that you are heroes in our midst. So just go ahead and stand up. And we're just going to honor you. Look at this. Amazing. You are running a phenomenal race of faith. You make us better. You make us richer. You make us healthier. Wow. Wow. Hey, Kai, can you, can you, um, give, give this book to, can you raise your hand right there? Yep. Can you give one book to her? And um, d- yeah, yeah. <laughs> all all I could think was midwife. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do the do the. Sorry. Um, uh, so you can get that book on Amazon. That's our message. <laughs> this, this is uh, the king. Coming out of our house that you don't have to hide your story. You don't have to hide your pain. That Jesus himself, you know, that he he didn't make the scars in his hands disappear. That triumph is actually having complete victory while living in the reality of our story. And so we just honor you this morning. And we're going to turn to Romans 8. Okay, and this, this week I was talking to my youngest, and I was like, uh, hey, Libs, what's your, what's your favorite Bible story right now? You know, just thought I'd have a little discipling moment. Kayla, it is really good to see you. Hello. Sorry for that brief inter- interruption. Uh, so, and she's like, Mom story right now is that one about Adam and Eve and the peach. <laughs> I thought, you are growing up in the peach state. Like, that, that is what's happening right now. So she just, like, went all Georgia on the Bible story with Adam and Eve. I wasn't expecting that. Um, so, you know, this time of year, we all get excited about a fresh, clean slate. Does anybody else get excited about a fresh, clean slate? And uh, we get excited about all the possibility of change and increase in our life. And um, what, where do we want to grow? Where do we want upgrades? And so I've just had some rumblings in my spirit, been speaking at the school just about uh, where real transformation comes from. And, you know, we are wired to crave transformation. It's in our very DNA. Like, we cannot help ourselves in getting drawn in to Chip and Joanna Gaines because it's like, wow, that house looked like that. And then by the end of one episode, it looked like that. That's amazing. biggest loser when you're like the beginning of the show you weigh 5 million pounds and at the end of the show you weigh 2 pounds how is that possible you know and and we we crave inside of our made in the image of a living god transformation and For all of our days, we will be wired to crave going from glory to glory because it is our destiny. And, um, you know, Romans 8 helps us know how to get there. You know, because how many of us have ever made a resolution and then it showed up on the same list for like 10 years in a row? Anybody? Any, anybody just super practically losing the same 10 pounds they were losing in 2019 and 2020? Let's just be honest. We've probably been losing the same 10 pounds for the last 10 years. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's pull up a slide. I have a slide. This is the first time in my history of being a preacher that I have a slide. I hope. There it is. Look. This is the extent. It's just a few words. So just keep the expectation real low. Nothing's going to sparkle. Nothing's going to light up. And my husband actually did it for me. so. <laughs> but there it is. It's a few words on a screen. It's just going to help us. It's going to help us. So we we all have a spirit. And... You know, before we met Jesus, that spirit was dead. So all, all throughout the scripture, when we talk about we were dead, but then we became alive. How many of you know he's not talking about your body? Because when your body's dead, you're not here anymore, you know? <laughs> and so right now your spirit has been resurrected by the same spirit, Romans eight says that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So your spirit man only has one way into life. There there isn't another way for your spirit man to wake up except for the same spirit that woke up the dead body of Jesus. And when we received Jesus, we received the Holy Spirit. We were born again, not of flesh and blood, like, like when... Uh, Nicodemus was confused. Like, I'm not going back in my mother's womb. That's awkward and impossible. And and Jesus was like, No, this isn't that kind. This isn't. This isn't a born again experience that you're going to be able to understand with your mind. This is a born again experience that happens in your innermost being. That you were once dead. And now you've been brought to life in your spirit. And so what happens is now your, your spirit became one with Jesus. It became one with the Holy Spirit. So you, you, your spirit is so intertwined with the spirit of God that in your innermost being, you cannot see where you end and he, be, he begins because you have been made one. It's perfect unity. You are grafted in to the oneness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And and nothing on earth, this is what Romans 8 says, can ever diminish the love that you live inside of 24 hours a day, 7 days a week inside of your spirit man. In your spirit man, you know <clears throat> has Willingly and happily submitted to the lordship of Jesus. Your spirit man celebrates all day long. I've always wanted a king like Jesus. I've always wanted to be protected and safe and have a shepherd like Jesus. And it's just celebrating that I no longer have to be king. I no longer have to be in charge. And, you know, your soul has all sorts of problems with that. But your spirit only knows happiness that there is someone infinitely bigger than me calling the shots. And, you know, I was tucking in our youngest uh, daughter last night and, uh, you know, we'll make declarations regularly. And she, she said, mom, I need you to say something with me. And so I said, okay, you know, she was going to lead the declaration and that's empowerment, right? And she's like, say this, mom, Jesus, I command you to give me good dreams tonight, not bad ones. <laughs> and then I thought, yeah, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I thought, honey, uh, so this was a perfect disciple moment. I just saw it. I saw it. I saw it. this is a moment where she needs to be discipled. And Said, "Oh, baby, uh, we don't actually command Jesus to do anything. He's—he's he's actually the king of the whole wide world. Like, you're not his boss. He—he's your boss. <laughs> and, <laughs> and see, your spirit man loves that." Your spirit man would, would hate the idea of ever living a life without the lordship of Jesus. Because he's the person of love. He's the person of goodness. And inside his lordship, everything inside of you gets to take a deep breath. And so, you know, being a follower of Jesus means that he has the final say about my beliefs. He has the final say about my thoughts, about, my th- about myself, about the people around me, that my beliefs, once, once I decide to let the seat of my spirit come up underneath the lordship of Jesus, I gave away my right to be the highest authority in my life. And so when we struggle to line up with the way Jesus thinks about us, we're we're struggling to let him be Lord. And whatever or whoever defines your identity is your God. And so, you know, your spirit man, its natural resting place is a delight in Jesus defining your beliefs. And, you know, I am a huge fan of Caroline Leaf. Everybody should YouTube her all the time. And I'm also a huge fan of Graham Cook. And who else am I a big fan of? I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jesus. That's helpful. Um, but I've, I've been very influenced by... Um, Posturing my heart to learn from her because she's a, she is a born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, brain scientist, which is fascinating to me, and uh, wildly helpful. And she says that your belief system. So, even you know, even if you don't have a resurrected spirit man you still have everyone on planet Earth is living out of a set of beliefs that we are viewing the world through. We are viewing our life through. So this is where we hear the thing like uh, Chris Valden says, there's a booger on your lens. You ever heard that? So no matter what you're looking at, it's constantly distorted because there's a problem in your in your lens. There's a problem with the way you're seeing and everything you see doesn't mean it's true just because you see it that way, which is uh, why we so desperately need not to be on the throne of our life, because I'm not the way, the truth, or the life, right? And um, she said, even in the womb, the DNA of your beliefs that will act as the rudder to your life are being formed. So you are actually born into a culture that is so much bigger than you, that you you were actually shaped by generations of choices, generations of thought patterns. How many of you ever woke up to realize some of the things that you were handed down were not the culture of the kingdom? They were not the beliefs of the kingdom. And you had to take a good look at have I become more like my family of origin in the way that I am seeing life, experiencing life, or have I become more like the person of Jesus, the culture of the kingdom? And it is a process of transformation in our identity, in who who we actually are in the kingdom and the exchange that the cross created to give us access to become like Jesus. To process life in the same way that Jesus processed life while on the earth. And so your beliefs right now are, are uh, funneling into your thoughts. So everybody's thinking thoughts right now. And um, I don't care to know what those thoughts are. Because I'm trying to stay very connected to the <laughs> thoughts of God. But everybody's thoughts are different right now. And you could be thinking all sorts of things that are coming up and out of what you have harbored in your heart as core beliefs. And your thought life, 100% of your thought life is your responsibility. Your circumstances are not in charge of your thought life. Uh, The mistakes of the people around you are not in charge of your thought life. Uh, You know, Jesus Jesus brought everything down to such an intimate level of, you know, the way that you even look at a woman is your responsibility inside the secret places of your heart, you know. The way that you think about your brother is 100% your responsibility on the inside of your heart. And, you know, your thoughts then affect your feelings, you know. Has anybody ever had a moment where you have a thought you have never had before about the Lord. And it pops into your mind and hope just floods your whole soul. And you think, wow, I have never had, that thought can change my entire life. And when we start to have those experiences inside the leading and the discipling of the Holy Spirit, we start to realize we live with this hope that I am one thought away from the greatest breakthrough of my entire life. I am one. I could have a thought today because I've had them before. I have had a thought that has literally changed the entire trajectory of my life. I've had one thought rearrange the entire culture of my heart. It's like a bomb of hope that goes off And it detaches us from lies that we learned all the way up in our belief system in our mother's womb. And the beauty of being born again is that we are taken into the womb of heaven. You know, Jesus said, I have cared for you from the womb. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. So there, there, our spirit man is actually showing us that there is a higher level of existence that happened way before any of your story on earth, any of your earthly beliefs were shaped. And the gospel is the invitation to live and dwell in that place of higher existence. And out of our feelings, we act. And uh, we, we create behaviors externally that are either positive or negative. And, um, most of the time when we're creating goals and we're looking to be walking in a higher level of transformation, we have an action that's driving us crazy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or there's something in our world that we want to see it different. You know, like our first thought is I want to lose 10 pounds, not, how do I start to think like a healthy person? How do I start to view myself as a person who's worth taking care of? Like we just think I just want to lose 10 pounds. But the goal of the gospel isn't first to clean up your act. The goal of the gospel is first to give you a new identity. And sustainable, lasting change can only come from getting a new identity. Because, you know, the tragedy in things like, you know, we're just using very basic natural examples, but when you look at things like the biggest loser and statistically how those people end up back in the same or worse, condition of health because their outside body changed, but the way they viewed themselves or the brokenness that needed to be healed was actually never taken care of on the inside. It's why people who who win the lottery and anybody ever thought, if I could just have a million dollars, have you ever seen those memes, what do you need? I need a million dollars, a hug, and a latte, you know? (laughs) Like that... You know, statistically, if you want a million dollars right now, but on your insides, you saw yourself like a poor person, it's only a matter of time where you end up in the same scenario because you didn't think like a wealthy person. You are not living like a whole person, like a person who has all the resources of heaven and I'm coming like a steward. So heaven's first goal for you, is never to clean the outside of the cup. You know, that's what Jesus said. Like, you're more concerned about the outside of the cup. I've, I've come to expose the inside of the cup. I've come to set you free in the deepest possible place in your spirit, man, so that all kingdom activity is internal activity. Because Jesus put the kingdom on our insides. So when we talk about taking land in the kingdom. We're talking about taking land on our insides because if, if we truly want to transform Atlanta and make Atlanta look like heaven, you have to get heaven on the inside of you because you cannot give away something you are not. You can bring a temporary change, But you cannot transform a culture if the culture is not on the inside of you. And so the culture inside of you is what you reproduce to the world around you. So, you know, when we look at this year and you know, this is my promised land. I know I'm called to be an author I know I'm called to take land in the movie industry. I know I'm called to be an entrepreneur. I know I'm called to, to boldly pray for the sick. I know I'm called to uh, be, be a parent that reflects the nature of God. Whatever it is, the giants that we talk about are not the roadblocks that show up in the natural. You know, if, if you are on a journey... To, um, I don't know, whatever. You fill in the blank in your own personal thought life that I'm not inside of. Uh, When something happens in the natural and it feels like, oh, that just blew up everything. Like say, um, you know, you, you get a bill you weren't expecting and you've been diligently saving money to purchase your first home because nobody in your family line has ever owned a home. And you know that you have a call on your life to break off a spirit of poverty that says, I can't have nice things. I can't live in a nice home. And, you know, this is bigger than just buying a house. This is about changing the identity of a beggar into a wealthy person. And you are diligently telling your money where to go. Telling your money where to go. Telling your thought life how to think. Put your shoulders back. Put your head up and think of yourself like a gate of heaven. And then... Um, your car blows up, you know? Anybody ever had that happen? Or you get a bill in the mail that you didn't expect, and you're like, well, there goes that. I mean, maybe when I'm 80, I'll finally be able to buy my first home. And we think the problem is that the car blew up. But your giant roaming that promised land is not the car. Your problem is that you have somewhere in your identity agreed that you are a grasshopper. You have somewhere in your identity agreed that this scenario is bigger than who you are. And the problem was never facing the giants so that they could possess the land. The problem was the people of God saw themselves like a tiny little grasshopper in, in the face of what was between them and the promised land. So all overcoming in the kingdom is on the inside of you. Not, not, we're not spending our days trying to muster up enough faith that what God has promised us will really come true. It's a settled thing. When God says it, it's done, it's over, we believe it because, because we have a Lord, we have a king and he does not think like us. Our job then is to go to work agreeing with who he says we are. I, giants are actually afraid of me and my perspective of this external situation is actually the problem, not the problem itself. And we have to actually step in to the circumstance and feel the brokenness and feel what, how this is not working. No, this is broken. I need to live from a higher dimension in my, in, from my spirit. And, you know, we will never eliminate thoughts and feelings and needs in our soul. If you want to be alive, the only thing that's seated in heavenly places right now is your spirit. If your body is seated in heavenly places, your time on the earth is over. If you no longer are processing pain, your time on the earth is over. And Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to process from heaven to earth. And he experienced all the emotions. He, he experienced all the feelings. And so your spirit man realizes that 100% of your internal needs are 100% your job. And so when you, when you start feeling feelings, the, the worst thing to do is to try to stop feeling them. <laughs> because it it perpetuates the brokenness when it's not lining up with heaven, and you know this is Romans eight I just haven't read anything out of it yet, <laughs> but i um, <laughs> i just been i've just been so busy trying to become it because The goal of spirit-led living is never that we can quote it or read it, but did we become it? Are we actually manifesting it in our life? And is it actually the rudder of my ship? Because that's what I'm concerned about. Is Jesus getting everything he paid for and me becoming the tabernacle of God? (laughs) And, you know, this is... This is what he says in here is that in the midst of all these things, your life, he's going through this whole list, is going to have pressure and trouble and pain and sorrow. And, and there's no pretending that isn't happening in the kingdom. It, it's just the difference of realizing that is our assignment not our destiny. Your destiny is to learn to live like a loved person. And we're moving towards the brokenness on the earth from who we are in heaven as a loved person. And, you know, this is how he says, yeah, even in the midst of all these things, pressures, pain, death, we triumph over them all for God has made us to become more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So right now, wherever it is that you need to be more than an overcomer, where, where you are living like a grasshopper, and it's keeping you from manifesting your promised land, the way that you overcome is not by working harder on your thoughts, feelings, and actions. The way that you overcome is by stepping back into your spirit man and, and settling on the victorious love of God. Because if you overcome because of the victorious over, overcoming love of God, then, then the way you're going to sustain an overcoming lifestyle is by the victorious love of God. Because whatever gets your breakthrough, if you get your breakthrough because you, you work like a crazy person all of 2020 and you get no sleep, hey, but you bought the house, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to continue to work like a crazy person and get no sleep and don't take care of yourself and become super grouchy at everybody you love and on and on and on and on. And, and you will have to continue to perform and perform, and perform, and perform to settle the land. But if you, if you gain access to the land because of the victorious love of God, because I step back into my identity as the one that God loves, then you will settle that land and live in that land because you're the one that God loves. And, you know, when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you, you guys love them, I love them, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, they're, they're put in this situation that, I mean, that's like a toxic leader, Nebuchadnezzar, okay? So, we just don't have any permission to blame our, our lack of processing life like Jesus on our external environment any longer. Because the person isn't the problem. The job isn't the problem. Your finances are not the problem. The the problem is, is there's a breakdown in my identity and I am 100% in charge of making sure I'm taking the time to process finding the root of that breakdown so my spirit can start to be in charge of this process. And, you know, so they're under the influence of a, a completely wicked king who, you know, makes this huge statue and says you're going to worship this every time the trumpets blow the pipes the horns all the music starts to play and the entire culture is commanded to stop whatever they're doing and give attention to this idol and you know in our current culture if you put an idol in front of Christians we will say that is dumb I'm not going to worship a statue, you know. Like nobody's ever tempted when you go into a Chinese restaurant, oh, there's a Buddha. I'm going to worship him. No. Nobody. Nobody, especially in the Bible belt, is tempted at the Chinese restaurant to worship that Buddha. But we we have other temptations when it comes to giving attention, which your attention is your worship. You know, what you give your attention to is what you worship. And, you know, when we... The the music was the trigger. This is going to trigger your worship. So when we talk about, you know, being triggered in your feelings, has anybody ever been triggered in your feelings? And, you know, triggers aren't just bad. Sometimes I... I watch my daughters do something adorable and it triggers worship and it triggers, Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so rich. And there's things happening. The music happening in your life is constantly triggering our worship. It's constantly calling us to redirect our attention. Oh, that beautiful thing just happened. Oh, it just triggered me to be in awe of God. And then there's the things that trigger you like, oh, my gosh, I want to punch that person in the face right now. Oh, no. And it triggers that crazy thing on your insides that's broken, you know. And you have to decide in that moment, you get to decide who is going to get my worship, who's going to get my attention. When a bill comes in the mail, you know, the it can trigger a, a fear, like, oh, and it can, it can be a giant that starts to taunt you for your attention. You should be afraid you're not going to have enough. You're going to run out. Did God really say this was your land? Is that really going to happen? Or, you know, have you ever felt something weird in your body? And you're like, oh my gosh, my knee hurts, Uh." and and ten seconds later, you you don't even have a kneecap anymore, and you have a weird deterioring issue in your body, because it it is a spirit that's taunting you for worship, it's taunting you for uh, attention, because the carnal mind, Romans eight said, is constantly leading to death. So you know you're thinking out of your carnal mind when the story always leads to. Everybody you love died, and you died, and you don't have a kneecap. That—that that is your carnal mind at work. But when you're being led by the Spirit, there's hope. And this is hard, but I'm going to be a more than an overcomer. This is hard, but I'm going to behold Jesus in this moment. And the goal of our life is not to eliminate triggers. The goal of our life is—it's what we we read with Mary Beth's book—is how can I turn soap into an offering? How can I turn a washcloth into an offering that touches the heart of Jesus? And the the mission of the Christian is not to eliminate triggers in our life. Forever. And I'm no longer going to feel pain or have to process. Our mission is how can I turn every trigger into an opportunity to turn my attention onto Jesus? When I hear the sound of the pipe and unbelief wants my attention, how can I acknowledge it and then put my eyes on the astonishing person of Jesus? Because when we feel ourselves stepping out of the spirit and everything gets real negative real quick, you know, the quickest, you know, the, what I have learned to do, because this is, this is what Romans says, is the mature people of God are those who are being led by the Spirit of God. So maturity in the faith is learning to be led by the Spirit. That no longer are we following where a spirit of slavery has led us, but we are, we are of the spirit of full acceptance. That I'm not waiting to be accepted until my thought life is right. I'm not waiting to be loved until my actions are right. Because in spirit living, you don't become a different identity when your actions line up. You become a different identity when you yield to the authority of Jesus and let yourself be loved when you're missing the mark. Love covers a multitude of sin. So when you find yourself a mess... In your thoughts, your beliefs, your actions, stepping back into your spirit and realizing I am loved and accepted here. Because the spirit of God does not check with your life before he calls you holy. Otherwise, that would be self-righteousness. Jesus, everything about your new creation identity, Jesus won. It's nothing you earned. So when you find yourself stuck in hopelessness, you've got to love yourself well in the hopelessness because Jesus won a new identity for you. And he's not going to wait for you to start manifesting hope before he says you are a city on a hill. You are the light of the world. So let's just all stand up. And we just say this morning, Jesus, that you know, when you find yourself living out of your soul, the quickest way back into the spirit is to be astonished by Jesus, is to hear the sound of all the pipes, of all the triggers, of all the music, and just stop and be astonished by Jesus because it's Jesus alone that gave us a resting place in his presence. And there's only one way to live a spirit-filled life, a spirit-led life, and it, it is the oneness with Jesus. And so this morning, Jesus, we just say we're astonished by you. Right where we are in the thick of our process, we have one goal, and it's to behold the beauty of who you are and the beauty of what you have done, that when we're better, we're not going to be loved more. That we get the fullness of your love right now, right here. The fullness of your presence right here, right now. So we love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Okay, love you guys. Everything changes when you show Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.